0: The Mike Tomano Happening. joining us today is tessa fowler from wyoming a passionate artist a wonderful photographer a rugged individual and someone connected physically and spiritually to wildlife and i knew just from talking to her a little bit before the interview that this was a story worth hearing so uh, we welcome you from your cabin home in the beautiful state of wyoming hi tessa
1: hello how
2: are you
0: i'm good uh, for the third time for those who are just listening now we, we've had some technical difficulty but it seems to be uh, rolling here so let's let's do what we can with what we have you know uh your love your obsession with nature is evident in all that you do and the videos that you share and the writings and the the definitely your photography which is stunning um really proves that the mountain life is you but let's go back to the beginning and how your love of nature took hold
2: well um i was born with it. i was born this way um like i i didn't uh grow up this way um but you know as far as like my family is concerned um they weren't involved with outdoors or hunting or my dad did take me fishing when i was little we go up to mammoth mountain in uh northern california and uh and visit there in the summertime. And, and I never wanted to leave. I just loved it up there. So, um, that was like our family vacation. It was like my first real experience with, with real mountains, you know, um,
0: because you didn't grow up in the country.
2: I, no, I I, I actually grew up in Corona Del Mar, California, which is, uh, now considered Newport beach, but it was a small town between Newport beach and Laguna beach but i i grew up like my family knew i had this passion for animals so you know at the age of five i had i i wanted horses and they got me a pony and i've had ducks and rabbits and i mean i i it wasn't your normal (laughs) i was not a beach girl put it that way i I don't even like the beach but um Yeah. So I would go out in, in the foothills, um, on Irvine ranch. Um, you know, they're one of the biggest cattle ranches in, in California at the time and just hang out with the cows and, and be out there and trap animals and bring them home and
0: wow so so you were always with so it was the critters that fascinated you the the natural world and and ducks and and cows and everything so anything about being outside uh and participating uh kind of drew you in
2: yeah and in fact um when i was little like one year for for christmas like my mom was like and dad were like what do you want for Christmas? I want, I'm on fishing gear. i want fishing poles and fishing tackles. So like I spent, I spent like summers out there fishing next to John Wayne's house,
1: Wow,
2: (laughs) you know, so, so yeah. And I, I mean, I was pretty much self-taught and everything. Um, like I said, my dad, you know, he did take me fishing once when I was really little and then I, I kind of enjoyed that and and I had horses and like, I'd ride my horses every day. And so like my friends were my animals. And yeah, you know, um, so I was kind of a strange child.
0: <laughs> so what, what was school like for you? I mean, growing up and going to school, the kids think like, oh, there's the, there's the, uh, the wolf child, there's the girl in the woods.
2: I was not, I didn't have friends. <laughs> wow. I, I was, yeah, I did not fit in. I was, uh, kind of, yeah. So, I mean, I just took it in stride and, you know, I, I, got bullied a lot, but, uh, you know, that, that just made me my draw to animals even more because animals like my dad, he, 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 it's funny. Cause he like mentioned this, um, to me a few years ago, he says, he says, you know, animals uh, will never intentionally hurt you where people do. And so when I was a kid, that was the case. You know, kids are mean and they bully you. But animals, unless that you you they feel you as a threat. Right. They don't they don't have that in them to, you know, go out and, you know, Unless they're like a food source, like a mountain lion or something. But, but generally speaking, animals have a kind soul and they understand and um, can feel yours and see if if you're a good person and kind and gentle, then they're going to respond to you a little differently than. uh,
0: Yeah, that's very evident with dogs. If they think you're cool, they're going to be your best friend. And if they, they feel like you're squirrely, they may snarl a bit. Yeah.
2: Oh, definitely. Animals, animals can, can pick up on, um, who you are better than people, you know, people, people, people are different, different altogether. So I, I kind of, I, yeah, I kind of like, I love my animals and I have lots of animals and I'm around wildlife, but it's been like that since I was a kid. I've always had a connection with, with wildlife, um, you know like i'd bring home squirrels and birds and <laughs> anything i could find i brought it home and my parents were like what are you doing <laughs> you know, you gotta put that back <laughs>
0: so, yeah. did, you, did you bring home any snakes
2: um i we actually had a snake um so yeah no i everything everything yeah. lizards i mean I, I remember one time when i was little uh um I bring all these animals home and I put them in my closet and one got loose and oh. my mom was like downstairs screaming and there's a lizard down there <laughs> like that's come get this thing out of here and she had no idea I brought it in um she thought it just came in from the
0: outside but I knew it was mine <laughs> so as a young girl you're you're getting these animals and you're spending time with them and it had to unknowingly be educating you for what you would eventually be doing as a wildlife photographer, watching their behavior, watching their movements.
2: Yeah. I, I, you know, even with hunting or with photography, I learn everything I can about an animal. Like, you know, um, I'm very particular about, um, like the animals I do hunt. Um, but I, I feel I have to earn it. Like I'm not just you know, I'm going to go and take whatever animal hunting wise. Um, I have to feel like I, I, I have to earn it. So it has to be a challenge to me. If it comes too easy, I'll pass on it. Right. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, you know, uh, if I don't know enough about that animal, then I will spend time out there with them until I know everything about them, you know? Yeah. And that's how I got my wolf um, a few years ago is I just, I just, spent as much time out there learning everything I can about wolves and the dynamics of wolves and how that pack works. And, you know, and same with lions and bears. Those were my biggest passions. Um, you know, the large carnivores. And then now mountain goats and bighorn sheep, the last few years have just yes. got me They've got me. (laughs) They've got you.
0: Well, I want to go go because I want to talk about your transition from uh, someone who is obsessed with nature and animals into someone who became a hunter and a participant in Mother Nature's scheme. And I also Mm -hmm. want to talk about. So you're 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 what you're a young adult and you say, "Okay, I'm heading uh, to Wyoming where the skies are blue and the miles are endless?
2: Um, you know, I always had a draw to the mountains. Um, when I, when I was little, um, I could see the San Bernardino mountains from my, my bedroom. And I always felt that that's where I needed to be was in the mountains. And then, um, you know, uh, when I was, uh, in my twenties, I was married uh, to Marine and a, a friend of mine that worked at the base stables, uh, he told me, he's like, you need to go to Wyoming. What do you, you know? And so, um, yeah, when I was 24 and I was recently divorced, I just packed up my truck with $800 and my kid and my dog and my horse. And I just left.
0: Holy cow. <laughs> so you get to Wyoming and how much yeah. did you know about the state where well, you got $800, you got a kid with you and yeah. you've got a future that you have yet to plan. So, uh, how does the eight hundred dollars get spent, and and what's your initial? So you get to this giant state with you don't know anybody. What happens?
2: I break down in Laramie, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Welcome to Wyoming. There you go.
2: Yeah, yeah. I break down in Laramie, and it's October, and it's it's coming winter, and my transmission went out on my truck, and so I just. I just buckled down and I was um, staying in a hotel and I went next door to the Denny's restaurant. And I said, Hey, I need a job. And I've got a kid. And you know, he was like uh, three at the time and the manager was great. And she's like, yeah, sure. You can wear a graveyard and I'll watch your kid. And, And so that worked out. And then, um, you know and then i went to uh i needed i hated working graveyard because it was dealing with all the drunks right you know in a college town of yes course.
0: right plenty and, of them yeah
2: yeah so i uh some mechanics came in and they're like hey we're looking for um they're looking for like a, a oil change tire um technician on big rigs i'm like i can do that
1: <laughs> <laughs> could you so,
2: <laughs> so I, I got that job and I I worked there and then I started dating the, uh, one of the guys that I worked for uh there and he was going to school for Wyotech so he he got my transmission fixed there you go and, yeah and then we decided once he graduated Wyotech which was uh, a few months later I said let's let's get out of Laramie and and head north and we ended up uh, in Buffalo and then into in KC so wow.
0: So You you head out and things start to fall into place. They just start to happen because uh, you had a dream and Mm -hmm. you get out there and some circumstances work in your favor. And so then you decide, okay, you're out there in the, in the wilderness. And how do you start participating in it? I mean, you can't collect a bighorn sheep like you did a squirrel. So how do you, how do you get into all this?
2: Well, you know, I mean, this is years and years. I mean, I've been I've been in Wyoming longer than I've been in, you know, I ever lived in California. So, I mean, we're looking at 27 years um, that I've been out here. um, And, you know, I just was, uh, lived on a ranch and, you know, worked cattle and and sheep and horses and stuff like that, you know? So, I mean, everything is just constantly learning and growing and, and, you know, I've, I've trained horses my whole life and, um, you know, so animals and stuff have always been a part of my life and, and, you know, it wasn't until, um, like, I, I, I mean, I'd spend my summers up on the mountains, you know, as much as I could, and and stuff like that. And, and I mean, I can. I, there's so much in between now and and when I first got here that I mean, it, it, I could be on your radio, your podcast for days yeah. and telling you these stories. So I mean, it, it, what you. I don't, I don't know, like basically what you want to know here, um, you know, from the time I well, moved you to become country, a
0: hunter. So, so here's, yeah. have you ever hunted before you went to Wyoming?
2: No, no. I've, I mean, but I was a military wife, so I've shot guns and, and stuff like that, you know, and we used to go uh, out in 29 palms and mess around and stuff like that. But no, I didn't, I didn't start hunting until I was uh, 25 here in Wyoming. And I, First thing I ever hunted was a jackrabbit with a 22, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I've always had an obsession for mountain lions ever since I was a kid and, and wanted to see them up close. And the ranch I worked on, they're like, well, you need dogs to to you know see mountain lions and i was like okay so i went and got hounds and <laughs>
0: <laughs> nothing's <laughs> and- getting in your way there you go no
2: no if i want to do something i do it and so i got hounds and started training them and then i built a business a hound business i was raising and trading hounds and selling them all over uh, the world and i was the first woman lion hunter in wyoming
0: <laughs> wow so now not coming from a hunting background but being uh, totally into animals mm-hmm. I want to explain this to people because people who don't hunt they don't they don't understand the passion and the love for the animals and I think you touched upon it when you talked about how you have to deserve an animal that you're uh, after and that mm-hmm. they you have to you have to learn everything you can about them. And I don't think people, that, you know, the public who don't hunt understand the connection there. And so was that was there a dilemma when you first started or did you did you understand the dynamics of hunting?
2: No, I there was no dilemma. I mean, I grew up in a non-hunting family. They were not an anti-hunting family. Um, we ate meat, you know, we and, you know, understood where food comes from and, and, you know, ranch life and stuff like that. So that there was never, um, I was never pushed like to, to be an anti-hunter or to be pro hunting. It was a, I was a non-hunter from a non-hunting family. So um, now living on a ranch and, and doing ranch work and stuff like that, you, you understand, you know, where your food comes from and you understand, you know, that these animals, are going to be used to provide food. Right. So it's not, it wasn't like an issue for me. Yeah. I I love, I love wildlife and, but there's also, you have to understand that these animals need to be managed and being a a ranch wife and a ranch, you know, um, someone that works on on a ranch, you know, I I I did a lot of depredation so like if a lion would come into uh, the cattle or the sheep and kill them you know I was worked with game and fish on 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 getting the, with my hounds you know right. to uh work on the depredation of, of trying to figure out okay this was a lion this was a bear or whatever you know so the management point part of it was easy for me because you can't have too many predators in one area. And, you know, especially with with cattle and sheep and stuff like that. So none of that was ever an issue for me. Um, you know, it just, it's just, it was just easy. It was yeah. just e- an easy transition from being a non-hunter to a hunter. There was there, yeah.
0: It, it, seems was like, it seems like the background in husbandry and ranch working and stewardship, it was a natural progression.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even now to this day, I'm very selective of of what I take. Like I don't, um, I don't hunt just to, to fill a tag. There's, there's years that I will go without filling a tag. I'm out there hunting, but I'm not finding what I'm looking for. Or I'm not, you know, um, the, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was ready for it or something, you know, and being, being a solo hunter and being a single woman, I can't physically do a lot. Um, and especially in grizzly country, I mean, you get an animal down, you have to work fast. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, if I'm four miles in, I'm really picky about what I'm going to what I'm going to take because right. I've got that animal out four miles in the back country where grizzlies are. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot more to it with me than I'd say somebody that's probably hunting farmland in Texas where they can drive a vehicle up and just pick up their animal and go, you know, there's a lot of thought into this.
0: Mm. Yeah, the you know, preparation is paramount, especially in grizzly country like you're talking about, because you're walking with dead meat on your back, and the smell is like a dinner bell.
2: Yeah, and I mean, even even if you like, for me, getting a bear down or getting anything that of large size down, it's going to take me more than one trip. Mm. So by the time that you get part of that animal out and come back, you can have a grizzly on your on your mm-hmm. carcass, and you know, then it's done. You're not getting it back. So, so before I shoot anything, I put a lot of thought, is this exactly what I want? Am I going to be able to get this out? I mean, there's so much more to it than, you know, that most people that hunt, you know, especially people that hunt with partners where they have help. I don't have help. And for me to even call to get help, I have to drive, you know, 20, 30 miles for cell phone service. Right. I'm very particular. And that's another reason why I got this buck, my buck puppy, that really, the half great Pyrenees is because he's going to be a pack dog so he can help me.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I want to, you know, you're talking about grizzlies. First of all, your photography. Um, I want to plug that a couple of times. Here. Where can people find your photography? Because they can purchase it and they can uh, gaze at some of the most wonderful outdoor shots I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, it's um, Mountain Girl photography, Uh uh, is it dot dot or Shootproof, at? Yeah. 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 I, I don't, it's like, it's like asking people asking for your phone number. You don't
0: have <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I'll get, have it. A I'll get it from our producer here. if yeah. uh, they grab yeah. It. But yeah, yeah. So you're talking about uh, grizzlies and you related a story to me that I just, my jaw dropped. You made a trek into grizzly country. Um, I want to talk about the impetus for that. How long you stayed and what you encountered.
2: Okay, so in 2016, um, I had up to 2016. I had been staying on the mountain, uh, either in the Bighorns or over here. You know, for 20 years, I'd spend my summers up on the on the mountain in a tent, um, training dogs and and whatnot. But in 2016, um, I had gone. I had gone through a run of bad luck, and and so, you know, sometimes. Um, you you feel like things are out of your control that you can't, you know, and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is happening. My truck's breaking down. This is happening or whatever, but they're all, all things that you cannot control. So I challenged myself and I said, okay, 2016, I'm going to spend six months in my tent on the mountain. It's going to be the longest I've ever done. And I'm going to challenge myself to that. And I will not, I will spend every single night in that tent. I will not stay in town, even if, you know, whatever happens. So that was my goal was to actually do something where I am in complete control over everything that happens.
0: Wow. Now, did you pack food with you?
2: Well, yeah, I mean I I I had my dog, so I had my vehicle. It's not like I was out there backpacking for six months. I couldn't there's
0: no physical stayed there. way. You stayed in
2: Yeah, I stayed in a walton. I have to move every sixteen days here at five air miles. So I can only stay in one location for sixteen days and I have to go somewhere else five air miles away or further and then, you know, constantly moving. So just packing up camp. And I think I had, um, three, three dogs, four dogs with me at the time. So I had, I had the dogs and the tent and you know, all, I had to have all my food like, um, in the vehicle because it, it, it has to be hung in a tree. It has to be somewhere where the grizzlies can't get it, yeah. you know? And so it's, it was a huge production, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I dealt with... Um lightning rain snow uh wildfires i mean there was everything was thrown at me that year just everything you can think of you know there was time i broke a shock on my truck and i had to Holy cow. drive down and get that fixed and and get back up to the mountain because you know like that was my whole goal but it was it was like the most amazing experience of my life i had grizzlies come through to camp black bears moose
0: yeah. Wow, was that was that the first time you had encountered a grizzly up close?
2: No. No, and I've been here in the Cody area for uh 10 years. It's 10 years in May, and I've had uh 26 close encounters with grizzlies and a handful of them were very sketchy where I had to have my dog save my butt.
0: Holy cow. So, so you're, you're watching the behavior of grizzly bears and they're, they're coming into camp. So what, what do you do? You're alone. It's you and the dogs, you're in a tent and Mm -hmm. here comes this, you know, this fur covered tank. What what do you do?
1: It's
2: usually in the middle of the night when they show up. Um, And so I would have like a couple of my dogs in the dog box and then I'd have two in the tent. And uh, the dogs in the dog box just start barking. Well, the bears really don't. I mean, they don't care.
1: Right. So
2: I've had, I've had them come up to my tent and sniff the tent, and I could see they, the dogs are barking. I could see the tent moving. I could hear the bear out there. And it's mainly I just told the dogs to shut up because I wanted to go back to sleep because I don't like being woke up. Um, the bears, if they don't have a reason to stick around, they're, they're not going to harm anything. You know, if there's no food accessible in, they're just going to check it out and leave. You know, I've, I've, um, I did have one bear um, that was up to shenanigans. He was a young bear, a grizzly, and he kept coming through and he, he would take my dog's water bucket and, and take it about, 30 yards and drop it yeah I mean it was just like I'm like okay that's enough um and and then he'd leave and I usually get about the the same bears that would come through uh the location and they got to know who I was and they got to know you know what the surroundings and stuff so I really never had an issue with them in camp um, other than them just passing through, um,
0: that's amazing. You know. So now you were there for six months, so you went through the gestation period for the for the spring. I'm guessing, were there were there sows with cubs?
2: Um, there I've run into them. The the sows with cubs really didn't um, come through my camps. It usually was the bigger boars that would come through. Um, I, I moved my camps to different locations, so like. Early in the spring in May when I first went out there, I think, no, I first went out there April 15th, or right around eight, beginning of April. And um, I, I didn't have, it's usually the big boars that come out first, and then the sows and cubs come out later. Um, so by the time that my camp, I would basically follow the snow line up. Mm -hmm. So I'd start kind of at the face of the mountain in April, and then I'd kind of just move my camp up higher and higher and higher as the snow melted. And so I really didn't have, I really don't have issues with grizzlies in the middle of the summer. Most of them are up on moth sites, like way up in the rocks above the tree line, um, so you, I really don't don't see many in the middle of the summer. It's usually the spring and the fall that I have the most issues with grizzlies.
0: You know that's a that, that's an amazing thing uh, because you knew how to interact uh, with mm-hmm. bears. Some people, you know, we've heard you know there was that documentary of the guy that you know wanted to turn them into pets, and, and oh, they ended up finding his yeah. shoes. You know, it's just. It's a bizarro world, but the respect that you had and you kind of watched their behavior and you you made it through. Um, that's that's a book. I mean it's an amazing yeah. story. So then you yeah. come back you're six months living in a tent in the mountains. you come back and while you don't live in an urban society, you do have to acclimate yourself back into normalcy and, and how was yeah. that for you?
2: It was tough. I had a hard time sleeping inside. It took me months to get used to sleeping inside. And and this is this is well in um, end of end of October, um, early November that I I actually rented a a little basement apartment out on the South Fork on on um, you know it's kind of it's out in the country, but it was somebody's basement uh, apartment. And I felt very confined. I couldn't sleep for months because I just sleeping indoors i it was hot um there was no fresh air it was just it was really hard uh to transition into to normal life um like even now, even in my cabin, um unless it gets really super cold, I have to have that window open even in the wintertime to sleep, <laughs> yeah, right right yeah,
0: yeah. so. So it took a while to get it together and and sleep in a, in a home because Mm -hmm. yeah, that's something else. And I, I, you know, I want to talk about, you were talking about uh, staying in shape to hunt mountains, uh, being Mm -hmm. in the Midwest, you know, I'm a tree stand ground blind guy. I do, I do stalk, but I don't uh, spot and stalk as much because, you know, we're, we're dealing with forests out here. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so there is a difference. There's a conditioning for mountain hunting. I had hunted once, in the cumberland mountains of tennessee and you just talk about the exhaustion that occurs to someone who's not used to that how do you train for your hunts
2: i i'm actually like i i, have a, I don't know how to explain it even my doctor thinks i'm a freak of nature because i perform better the higher elevation like most people can't perform well over 9,500 feet they start feeling you know really um altitude sickness and 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 you know can't catch their breath i actually do better the higher the elevation the better i do and i don't know yeah i i I run better on thin air you put me down in texas and i i'd die because i wouldn't be able to breathe
0: i am spoiled you know you mentioned texas ranch hunting and i am spoiled by that because you do you uh you you sit in your blind or you stalk and then you, you shoot and then you Call them and tell them where you're at, and they come and get you in the truck. So I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna have to come hunt with you in Wyoming and become a big boy. I got to learn how to do this because it's amazing.
2: Yeah, it's and with me, I'm I'm not your tradition. Like I don't do things. I'm all 100 self-taught, and so what I do is completely different than what the majority of a lot of these mountain hunters do. I hunt on foot. I don't do the horsebacks. I just sell all my horses when I got divorced. So I've just been basically on foot. Um, and so, um, I have a hard time sitting still, so I will put 10 miles on and not even realize I've done 10 miles. I mean, that's nonstop. Like I'll Amazing. Stop yeah i'll stop and i'm like oh okay maybe i should i should have a
1: snack
0: or you know, <laughs> you have some like water that. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: but, but for I, me to to sit and, and i can sit in glass mountain goats all day long but yeah. anything else like i get bored with and i have to go but um yeah no it's i hunt different i i do a lot of tracking like all my um carnivore hunting um I'll do a lot of tracking with bears and and lions and, and follow them. If if I don't see tracks or sign in the area, I'll go somewhere else. I'm like, Oh, there's no bears here. Wolves are a little different. You know, uh, wolves are the hardest animals to hunt.
0: Yeah. Tell us (laughs) about your wolf hunt. I want to hear about that.
2: (laughs) Well, um, back in, in, the night when they first put the wolves in here you know everybody's like oh yeah you know they're gonna stay in the park yeah right yeah right
0: yeah
2: Yeah. so back in 2005 um my business partner uh that i had my hound business with he was over here with um the dogs and over here in sunlight um hunting and uh the wolves he was on the line track and the wolves ended up getting charlie and tearing him in two and he was the first dog killed in wyoming by wolves the yellowstone wolves that left the park um and so I kind of had this like vendetta
0: <laughs> right. you got Charlie. I'm going to aven- I'm going to yeah. avenge Charlie.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so when they opened the wolf hunting here, um, the second time, um, I just, I just spent all my time in the area near where Charlie got killed. And I knew there was a pack of wolves that had been hanging out there. And I just spent all my time just watching and looking and hiking and, and, and seeing where they were and calling to them and getting them to call back to me. And, and I just happened to get really lucky. And uh, I knew there was a pack in, in this, in this drainage and it was one drainage over from where Charlie got killed. And I, I was actually in camp and drove out there and uh, I heard him and I was calling and calling and I was like, Oh, maybe I can get him to come in. Maybe I can get him to come in. And, I didn't think I could. And I looked over and there was one, like, literally like 20 feet away from me. And I was like, Oh, geez. Okay. And I was on this little two track road and I was like, okay, I got to get my gun and get out of this truck, uh, this truck without this, uh, wolf seeing me. And then I hear these four wheelers coming up the road. And I'm like, are you serious? Oh, they're going to blow it. Yeah. And, yeah. They blew it. The wolf took off. Like They didn't know they were just out, you know, fooling around on the mountain. And uh, yeah, and so I was like, oh, well, I'll just go back to camp and come back in the evening and try again. And I was heading back to camp and I just happened to look over to the right and I see that same wolf, like half a mile down from where the, where it was before. And so I get out of the truck and I walk up to it. I, like I had photographed this wolf two weeks before and i had gotten 300 photos of it. And it, it it wasn't bothered
0: by me. So this one's for Charlie.
2: Yeah. And I was just, you know, I thought about it and I'm like, well, you know, this wolf let me get all these photos of it. You know, he's kind of cool. And I'm like, you know what? No. Then, <laughs> I'm like, no, he's, he might be a nice little wolf, you know, sweet now. But, you know, <laughs> he, he's still a wolf and he's going to do wolf things. And,
0: and, he's, and now, so he wasn't with a pack. He may have had a kill or something stashed near. No.
2: The pack, had, the pack had left him.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, why do they leave? Because they're old and they're just not, they're um, not alpha anymore?
2: No, he he was part of um, the, the area that I found him in was considered a rendezvous spot. So what a rendezvous spot is, is the pack will come in and they leave the younger ones in the rendezvous spot while the older ones go out and hunt. And so uh, he, he just didn't go like when the pack, Collected all the young. He just stayed by himself and and was kind of like okay. So he was just on his own. um Pack had left. They were two drainages over, and he was just there. So <laughs>
0: bad <move laughs> for him. Yeah, he should have ran know, with the pack. He
2: he should have. And and you know he I guess he felt like okay whatever. So I I went up to him and it was thirty yards like not even 30 yards. It was like under 30 yards. And yeah, that was the end of that. But
0: yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So you have filmed so many animals. I want to talk about, um, (laughs) you know, the way that you do your photography, you captures the essence and the character of these animals, especially I'm looking at your, your sheep photos, by the way, people can go to purchase your stuff and see your stuff at mountain girl shootproof.com yep that's it yep, yeah that's, that's it and yeah. um so i want to talk about filming sheep and mountain goats or, or filming mm-hmm. them or, or shooting them with uh with your camera that presen- mm-hmm. presents a lot of physical challenges is and it's it's a dangerous situation because you they have an uncanny ability ability to be on ledges or to mm-hmm. climb what looks to be straight up it's it's i when i was in colorado i watched the stone sheep And I couldn't even tell how he was ascending this mountain because it looked from my perception to be flat. And it was just, it was eerie, you know, to watch this happen. So let's talk about some of the perils that are presented when you hike up these mountains and go after these sheep and goats.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, sheep and goats, for some reason, I have this, this really unbelievable connection with, with sheep and goats. Um, they, you know, they, they, they're not like afraid of humans, but there's a lot of people that, like you said, can't capture them where they look natural, yeah. you know? Um, and I, I don't know what it is. I've, I've, I just have had this obsession with, with sheep and goats since, since the first time I started, uh, I ever photographed them. Um, where I can actually sit in with them and they interact normal with me. Like, you know, um, if you've seen my videos where the, the, I don't know if you saw the one of the, uh, nanny mountain goat with the triplet. she yes, walks right the
0: babies. What the heck? I was like, this is like, <laughs> this is amazing. This is like something, it looks like it's staged. It, it's amazing.
2: Yeah. They, they come right to me and they feel comfortable with me. And it's funny because it, I try to shoot them out of you know i try to hike into them but sometimes i'm not l- that lucky and i you know they'll, they'll be visible from a road where i've had a, actual photographers come in behind me with their big lenses and stuff and the sheep and goats move off they're just they're like nope not doing it and i've been sitting there for two hours with them photograph and they'll lay they will lay right next to me like yeah you know, and if an animal sleeps with, with you right there, a wild animal can sleep right there with you, then, you know, there's trust.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, my daughter and I were looking at the the baby goats and it's just, it's as <laughs> if you're in now how far are, what are your, near normal shots? How far are they?
2: Um, I, oh, most of the animals that you see on my website are all under 50 feet, even the grizzly bears.
0: Holy cow. Mm-hmm. wow it's amazing it's amazing yeah. and, and the the bighorns and the 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 grizzly bears i mean you have a a bunch of photos for sale that have a darkened background mm-hmm. and th- this series of portraits is mm-hmm. just stunning i mean i gotta tell you that's some of the best i mean it's like they have you captured their personalities and so mm-hmm. when you're taking these shots and you go through your roll of film, or your you know, in the digital world, your whatever it yeah. is, your role, um, mm-hmm. What's that shot? What when you're when you're getting ready to shoot an animal? What do you know is the one? What's the what's that one moment that says to you, "This is the this is the time. This is the time. This is the shot right here."
2: Um, it, it just depends on the situation. Like with sheep and mountain goats, I average three thousand frames per day. So I'm shooting 3,000 photos a day just with sheep and mountain goats. Um, and, you know, a lot of them, I mean, I just, I just shoot, 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 you know, whatever. And, I'll, of course, if nothing's happening, I'm not shooting. But um, I just, and then after I will go through those and I'm just like, okay, wow, this one will work for this and this one will work for this. But there's, there's been a few moments, a few photos where I've actually like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I got this. And I've been like Mm. crying that I was so uh, excited with it. But you never know what you're going to get each day when I go out. I mean, there's days that I I don't see anything. And then, you know, there's days that um, I have one particular sheep that he's been on. This ram has been on more covers than any ram. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, and, and he, I, his name is old Chiphorn, and he's, he's, you know, I don't really name like animals like Henry or something like that, but if they have a, a, a certain, yeah, you know, a distinguishing quality,
0: characteristic, yeah,
2: it, then I call him that, that name. Cause I don't believe in, in, you know, calling animals, wild animals names because I don't want people to get that Disney, right. uh, you, you know you see all these these bears in yellowstone that have all these cute little names that is the worst thing to do yes. for people that that don't understand what wildlife is right, right. You to give them all these cutesy little names so then they, they get an emotional attachment to it thinking that it's it's you know a teddy bear
0: right right you know indeed. yeah you know you and there's uh the baby goats are amazing and there's uh, some moose pictures that mm-hmm. um, there's moose pictures, a series of moose pictures. And there's one where he's like, there's this giant moose and it looks like he, you know, he's just kind of looking at you going, okay, what are we doing here? And he's kind of like turning his head. Do you know the photo I'm talking about? It's in your yeah, gallery. That,
2: that- that's old gnarly. That's yeah. old gnarly. Yeah, he's he's actually probably the coolest moose because he's got one antler. who has got all this this trash on it. You know, it's not your normal moose where they're kind of you know look the paddles look the same. He's got like extra uh, forks and stuff in there. Yes, um, yes. extra brow tine going there. Um, yeah, old gnarly. You know, moose and and, and buffalo actually make me more nervous, photographing them than any other animal. They're the ones that, that make me the most nervous where I do not want to get close to them. But old gnarly, I was actually, it was him and another bull. And I was up in the bear tooth and I saw them and I sat down on this log and they were just doing their thing. And I was like, okay, I can't move because I don't want to spook them and have them get angry but they were getting closer and closer and closer to me. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not real comfortable with this, but (laughs) you know, I got as much shots as I could. And then, and then they kind of just walked off and that's when I retreated and I was like, okay, that was, that was pretty, pretty cool. But you know, I don't feel comfortable with them just, just because they are, dangerous very dangerous i mean grizzlies are dangerous but majority of times grizzlies smell or see a human
0: they're gone right but a moose you know? and a bison they both kind of invite confrontation they're, they're oh. they'll initiate it you know yeah they, they, you know it, it, well like you'll see
2: like the the ears will start moving the tail will start flickering <laughs> right.
1: yeah
2: but no, those animals are two thousand pounds of horn and hoof and they don't they don't care, you know, and they can turn it on in a second. You know, there there's certain tells that that will let you know if you if you are in their space and they don't want you there. I mean, a moose will pin its ears back and that's it. You know. Believe, uh, yeah. Yeah, the buffalo, the tail will go up and start swishing. If they start doing that you're in trouble.
0: They're excellent. So, yeah. You <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah.
2: And and bears have tells too. Every animal has tells. So if you know like with the goats and the sheep, if they if they walk away from me, I just let them go. You know, it's like I don't I don't push them. I go in and I sit down and they usually come right to me and and do their thing. But once they leave, I'm like, "Okay, You've had enough. I'm done for the day. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's just, you know, you don't want an animal to ever feel uncomfortable because that's when you're going to get in trouble.
0: Right. Right. What are some of the, so with a bear, is it, you know, one of the tells is that when they start popping the jaws or start sniffing the air or what is it?
2: Well, sniffing the air, a lot of people don't understand when they sniff the air, they're, they're, they're trying to locate <clears throat> whatever, whatever it is that they smell. Um, even if they stand up, that that's not, um, they're, they're still not threatened. They're checking things out. So I've had, I've had grizzlies, like I have bumped into grizzlies on the trail where they'll just stop and they'll stand up and they're like looking at me, you know, 50 feet away or whatever, and, uh, trying to figure out what I am, you know, cause I might be, I might be, uh, up or downwind from them where they can't get a smell but they know I'm there because they've heard me so they'll stand up on their legs and they'll look around but when they drop their head if they're on all fours and they drop their head you're in trouble
0: yeah
2: you know because it,
0: that on, means they're, it, right? yeah they're gonna, yeah,
2: they're gonna <laughs> if they're dropping their head that means they're getting ready to charge you wow. but yeah there's certain tells with every animal and and a lot of people miss it
0: now, your, your photographs of horses are just beautiful as well. And are, are these wild horses in Wyoming?
2: Some of some of those um, are the McCullough Peaks uh, wild horse herd. But the majority of them, um, the ones that are on the mountain, are uh, those are the 70 Ranch. And it's a big dude ranch. And they turn their horses loose on, on the mountains um, at the end of the season. Um, just to graze. And that's when I go out there and take photos of right. They've got the most beautiful dude horses I've ever seen anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they're gorgeous. Yeah. So I do, I do horses. I do a lot of Western life, like, you know, old cabins, old buildings. Um, I like doing uh, cowboy history, old West history. So I do a little bit of that stuff too. But wildlife is is my number one. Landscapes, if it's slow down wildlife, I'll go out there and try to get an epic landscape shot.
0: Yeah. Get some beautiful mountain scenery or the wildflowers. Mm-hmm. And the bison. So, so is this this? Are there certain herds that you uh, are attracted to of buffalo that you know where they're at and you can kind of get in with them? Or do you shoot different herds?
2: Um, I don't. I don't do Yellowstone photography. That's what sets me apart from other photographers. Everything I do is backcountry. Um, the pictures I have up there, most of those are North Fork bulls. The, they're bad old bachelor bulls that have left the park, and they just kind of just hang out on the North Fork. And most of them are are old, you know. And they'll migrate back into the park in the summertime or into the backcountry um but most of them is just like a bachelor herd there's no cows and no uh calves i did i do have some i did go into yellowstone like a few years ago and i got some baby buffalo pictures but i just don't do the park thing i just you keep it I real. Add, yeah i got
0: you yeah, I got yeah. You. and it shows sure. these things are just amazing um But, you know, my daughter and I were looking at him and she's like, it looks as though these animals are posing for her. I said, that's that's time spent with animals because, you know, you get some of these these baby goats and baby sheep looking right at you. And Mm -hmm. uh, and then the uh, the buffalo, it's like, like I said, or the moose, when he's like looking at you, you could say he's looking right at you. There's no Mm -hmm. way that he's not. And then yeah. the, the fox. You've got a lot of great fox pictures. There's something about the fox. I see um, foxes on my way to work every morning, and I just love them because they always look like they're having a good time.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they, they are very curious, and they don't have a big fear of humans. Um, so the, the fox photos you got to get in wintertime because in summer fox look like coyotes. They look yeah, horrible. Ready. you know? yeah. So you've got to get them in the winter time, and so um, majority of the fox photos, there is a snow background, which really makes them stand out and pop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, no, the fox around here, um, and it's funny because like a lot of the snowmobilers up here on the mountain, it's like they they toss them toss them their snacks and stuff, and so. Fox really don't have a fear of people. Right. So, so, so they're pretty easy to photograph compared to like coyotes where, you know, they've they've usually if someone sees them, they're shooting at them. So. Oh, yeah. There,
0: there was one. There was a, a fox that had her kits under a tool shed at my other house that I lived in a while back and uh, I would come home and and see her and and I would feed her. And, and then one day I was coming home for, and so this went on for, you know, about a month and I came home one day and I saw a car had hit her on the side of the road. And it was like losing, it was like losing a pet or losing a friend. It just broke my heart.
2: Yeah. They're, they're cool animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like when I was a kid, that's less, I, like I said, I tried to trap and, and make pets of everything I could find.
0: <laughs> get a, get a Fox. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I um, I really wanted a skunk and my, I would set a box trap out behind our, our place like every night and every day. It was like, I would go out there in the morning, it was tripped. And I'm like, what the heck? My mom was going out there and tripping it. Cause she did not want me to
0: catch a skunk. <laughs> yeah, no Fox in my house. That's funny. Well, let's talk about your hunting a little bit. Um, once again, mm-hmm. people can go to mountain girl dot com and see your gallery and order your stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So for hunting, what is the majority of your hunting? you know to well, the I, freezer? What is it?
2: Uh, oh, well, I, this, I, I, I really had no interest in hunting. I I don't know. I'm kind of a weird person like i i love large carnivore hunting so lions bears and wolves are what i've pursued for over 25 years lions majority up until uh 2015 it was strictly lions that's Mm. all i had was lions with my dogs um like i said i was i was raising and training hounds selling them to canada mexico all over the united states um so that was my, my business for years. And then, um, it wasn't until 2015 that I, uh, started hunting. I wanted to, I was living in grizzly country and I was like, Oh my gosh, I should hunt black bear cause this is cool. So I started hunting bears and then wolves. Uh, we just had our wolf season reinstated. Um, so five years ago. So I've been hunting wolves too, but yeah, since I bought this property and I have whitetail on this property, I was like, well, I'll, I'll just
1: fill the freezer." <laughs>
2: yeah. So, yeah. I got a, I got a, a whitetail buck here on my own property. Um, this last fall and he is the best whitetail I've ever eaten in my life. And I, I, what you don't know is before I started doing photography, I was, um, an executive chef. <laughs> so,
0: oh, wow. Well, that's, <laughs> that'll be our next interview. Holy yeah, cow.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And I specialize in wild game. So yeah. Perfect. And, yeah.
0: So you so, had the recipes going When you talk about black bear now in Wyoming, um, are they predominantly feeding on berries or because that, that'll makes a big, that makes a big difference with bear meat on what they're feeding on.
2: Um, spring bear, obviously they don't have much, um, in them, <laughs> you know, they're eating lots of grass and, and and so our season closes on June 15th here. We have kind of a short season for spring. It opens May 1st, closes June 15th, but a lot of the areas you can't access because like, like this year, we've had so much uh, spring snow that you really can't get into a lot of areas to hunt bears. So fall bears, yeah, berries, um, lots of vegetation. We have... I don't don't know how many, rose tips, uh, strawberries, um, the wild strawberries, the uh, currants, um, you know, uh, elderberries, raspberries, but they have to compete with the grizzlies here. Mm -hmm. So our black bear uh, is, it it's kind of hard to hunt them because it's, we have such a predominant grizzly population compared to our black bears that it's, and they, the, the, Black bears won't hang around if there's
0: a grizzly around. No, so. I think only you hang around if there's grizzlies around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're yeah. a self-taught photographer in addition to a self-taught hunter and uh, hiker and rancher, but but so when you started shooting, give us some tips for uh, people who want to maybe cuz I always thought, you know, taking a video camera with me or taking a camera with me into the woods is a great way to uh Increase your hunting skills because you're watching behavior that's natural. Um hunting season's not on, especially with Whitetail, they're not as uh wily as they are once they hear that first gunshot or see people in the woods. Um,
2: um you know, my hunting actually helped me with my photography because I've been hunting a lot longer than I've been doing photography. I've been doing photography, you know professionally since uh 2015 that's been my like full-time job that that's that's how I make my living is is selling my photos so um there is no other side job or income or it's just it's, that's how I make my living is my photos so what I would recommend to people that are just starting out um you know get familiar with your camera. First of all, your equipment, there's a lot of people that buy their equipment and and don't know how to use it. Right. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have a mentor um, that I reached out to years ago and ended up being a very, becoming a very good friend of mine, but he's also a sheep and goat photographer in Canada and He taught me a few little things that made my life a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. You know, as
2: far as as far as like, I shoot an aperture priority um, setting instead of instead of um, shooting um, in different. You know, most people will try to uh, have to try to figure out what's going to work if you're if you're um, you know trying to figure out your setting. I, I am so like the worst person to talk about technical stuff. I can show you, yeah. but trying to explain it, it's a really hard, but I shoot an aperture priority. Anyone that shoots will kind of understand what I'm talking about. Um, where all I have to adjust is my, my, if I bring my, um, my ISO up, then my speed comes up so you want to shoot in the lowest iso that you can you can get for the for the speed OK, if that makes any sense at all, well, like we'll look
0: I it up I can, when we get ready to. Yeah,
2: yeah, I can show it to people all day long, but trying to explain it. That's why people ask me, will you teach a photography class? I'm like, "Nope, <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> you go out there and shoot. That's it. I, you yeah. know, it's it's got to be a trial and error thing. And
2: it, it does. And well, landscape is completely different than wildlife and, and you know, shooting. Uh, portraits for people like, you know, doing weddings is completely different. Wildlife is the hardest um, to shoot from what I hear. Cause I don't do any other, you know, I don't do weddings or any people stuff, but um, you know, once you've got it figured out, then, then it's easy. Yeah. But it, it, you know, if someone tells me, okay, can you help me with my Nikon? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I don't know. Nikons they're there. That's like, I know my Sony. So I can you, do it.
0: So you, you shoot with a Sony camera and this is a, so what do you recommend? You recommend any particular brands or, or types?
2: Uh, I like the Sony because, you know, Sony's and Canon's are probably, I am not a Nikon fan. I mean, they just are complicated and some people love them. That's not me. Um, but I've noticed that like right now I don't know what the deal is if there's a, a shortage with everything else but yeah. a friend of mine tried to buy a camera like mine and he's like they're they're not available. He's like I cannot even find one
0: on eBay. Isn't that something? I, and it's everything. Yeah. I I ordered a new bow for this season because some of my bows have just they've been with me for years and they're you know, you know when it's time to get new equipment. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting. I won't say the name of the company but it's the, it's the top of bow company. And I've been waiting nine weeks for them to ship a bow. Yeah. And
2: that's, that's probably, uh, probably, you know, short compared to what, you know, same with Jeep parts, you know, like for my, my Jeep, you know, I was waiting for parts and my mechanic says he is like, I can't, everything is backordered. It's yeah. everything. It's not, you know,
0: well, I, and I believe it's by design. But that's a believe me, that's a whole political oh, show we yeah, could do.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you there. Every, yeah. This whole thing that's been going on is is all. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah. get. You funny. gotta be
0: a, you gotta be asleep to not think that uh, we yeah. have an enemy among yeah. us, and that's about oh, as far yeah. as we'll go. But uh, and
2: yeah. I don't and I don't watch the news because I don't need I don't need the stress. So yeah, I you're smart. do not. What what happens in my world is all that that's going on. Yeah. Gas prices. I, they went up another 10 cents last last night. I'm like, seriously, there's no reason for this.
0: No, no. Well, there's a reason, but it's heinous and it's evil.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But
2: there's, there's, if you like, like I told you, my, my parents are stockbrokers. And so, you know, I talked to my dad about this all the time and, and you know, the commodities are futures. You know, so these aren't prices we're seeing on things aren't even what the prices are right now. That's Mm-mm. what they are projecting the price to be. And that's what we're paying.
0: Mm. Well, again, you're going to come back on and we'll get it. We'll get into all kinds <laughs> of stuff, but I want people to go to um, the website, mountain girl shootproof.com An amazing talk with you. Uh, you are a real inspiration and what a go-getter and you've done amazing things you continue to do stuff that just astounds me and uh, i look forward to adorning my walls with some of your beautiful uh photography but Please do. <laughs> uh, yeah i will i will indeed and what is uh so give us like, some some hunting tips did you do you bow hunt at all or is it rifle hunting
2: oh you know it's funny I, I get so much crap but i shoot one rifle i shoot a marlin 1895
0: sbl 4570
2: look at that class and i i shoot iron sights i do not do scopes everything i've shot has been under under 50 yards i'm i'm one of those i'm kind of like a bow hunter i got to get close to him i got to see exactly what i'm shooting and and i want to judge it as much as i can before i take it but no that that rifle it's it's i call it the grizz stopper (laughs) yeah it is that's (laughs) a biggie yeah yeah and i shoot i shoot um 430 grain barrel loads in it and like i shot my deer with barrel loads i shot my wolf i shot you know i'm out there in grizzly country i always want to have that loaded for in case i need it you know so that's what i shoot I, i shoot the same same uh rounds and and that one gun, I had it cut down to fit me because it, the stocks, a normal stock length is too, um, too long for me. So I shoot a 12 inch pole length. So, um, I had it cut down. It fits me like a glove and that's what I take everything with is my
0: 45. Well, it's like your camera. There's a familiarity with it. And, uh, shooting the old lever iron sights. That's amazing. That's
2: amazing. I'm old school as you can get
0: like cool.
2: Yeah, I don't, I'm not into the newer, newer stuff. I don't like new cars. I don't like any of this new stuff. I'm old school. That's a a hell of a (laughs)
0: recoil on that gun.
2: It's actually, it's more of a push. Now, if you're shooting like the lever revolutions, like the 300, I think they're 325 grain. Those are going to feel more of a kick. But if you're shooting a heavy bullet, you know, where a heavy hard cast, um 405 grain or 430 grain it's more of a push i don't even notice it yeah. like i can, i can go when i when ammo was cheap i could go out and and shoot a box easy and never it doesn't phase me at all yeah. but my gun is, is cut to fit me perfect you know, and that's a lot of people don't understand that if the gun fitment isn't right, you're going to feel it a lot worse than if the gun fits you like a glove.
0: Yeah. And if you're not again, you got to get familiar with it and you have to there has to be an, an anticipation of the shot, not of the recoil, because if you're worried about that, you're going to blow the shot. You
2: know? Yeah. Well, when I bought this gun, you know how many guys tried to talk me out of it? <laughs> oh, my God. it's going You're going to hate it. And you know what? I could sit there and shoot this gun all day long, every day, and not have a problem. And I look at those guys, and I'm like, "You, it might bother you, but it doesn't bother me." It
1: doesn't bother like, me.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's all in your head, you know. But a lot of people try to try to say, "Oh, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna hurt you. It's the recoil is gonna kill you, and you're gonna hate that."
0: <laughs> no, you I know. But I'm when a- I sighted my rifle, I, a 30 at six, if I'm going to Texas to hunt i shoot once or twice and if it's on it's on you know
2: yeah exactly and and with the with my um my uh, iron sights you know they're I, I, you knock it around on the mountain it's not going anywhere you know right. if you knock your scope around it's gonna go some it might go somewhere and you might not know um but i mean this rifle is beat to heck, and i've had it since 2016 and it's you know scratched up but it's a mountain gun it's on my shoulder, you know, doing what I climbing through rocks and horrible things and getting beat up, but I don't care. It's, it's tough.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope to share a campfire with you one day. You're an amazing person.
2: Yeah, come on out to Wyoming and, and I'll show you the real Wyoming. Like most people come out here and go to Yellowstone and I'll show you the real Wyoming.
0: I look forward to it. and I'll, But, you know, I have to get in shape for the mountain. I'm not I can't do what you do. So
2: I got I got a Jeep. I can get you to most places. Okay,
0: So if I filmed it like we would just drive halfway up the mountain, then I'll get out and we'll just film. And go, OK, I'm trekking up this mountain. Let's run a little bit, you know, make me look yeah, good.
2: There are some places I can take you in the Jeep where I take a lot of my friends that don't hike that will knock your socks off. Mm. I mean, absolutely like above 10,000 feet up in the, you know, above the tree line and you know, there's, there's Jeep trails everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Amazing stuff. <laughs> so,
0: what, so what's, so what's, what's the day for you? Uh, what do you, what do you got planned uh, for tomorrow? What's, what, what are you, what is your agenda?
2: Oh, well, tomorrow's another boring day. I have to take my Jeep in, get new door pins, and i got to go to the chiropractor and get my, my – I've had a neck issue. I hurt my neck. Yes. Split. Yeah, it's killing me. I, I split my own wood. So for my cabin, it's all wood heat. Um. So I split my own wood, and, and last April I, I hit – when I was splitting wood, the uh, mall hit wrong, and I could just feel a vibration go up into my arms and into mm. my neck. And so it's been bothering me since April and I've tried everything. And so I'm finally going to the chiropractor tomorrow because the doctor says I, he thinks I have a bulging disc in my neck, which isn't
0: good. No, (laughs) that's a pain in the ass.
2: Yeah. So I'm trying to get all that done and get back up to the mountain, but we've had rain almost every single day for the last week and snow, three feet of snow up on the mountain. So it's, Kind of just laying low until I can get back
0: up there. Welcome to June in Wyoming. Three feet of snow on the mountain. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's just amazing.
2: You never know. When I did the six months up there on the mountain, it snowed every month.
0: So, Tessa, we've talked about how you came to Wyoming, what you're doing in Wyoming, what you've done in Wyoming. But let's talk about some of the conservation efforts and some some of the things you're involved with now. Now that you've become who you are and got very comfortable as the mountain girl. Um, tell us about what's going on in your day to day now.
2: Well, basically, you know, as far as photography, so my schedule, this, this is kind of, um, you know, I, I, I have a, I have a schedule every year. So a day. Yeah.
0: Okay. So a year in the life of, uh, yeah. Okay.
2: So, so from May until, um, October, end of October, I mainly focused on mountain goats. Of course, there's, there's other things that are going to be tied in there with the mountain goats. You know, if I bears, you know, bear hunting and things like that um, and, and getting up into the different landscapes and stuff, but mountain goats are my main focus from May until end of October. And then from October until March, it's, basically bighorn sheep. Those are my two biggest um, passions as far as photography goes. And they are two of the things that a lot of photographers don't really focus on. Um, Most people you see are doing the deer and the elk and, you know, a lot of a lot of other uh, game animals. But sheep and goats are kind of overlooked as far as you know, something, something cool to something. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So goats, goats are my number one passion. Yeah. And I, I am a, a member of Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. I'm also a member of um, the Wild Sheep Foundation, Wyoming Wild Sheep Foundation, these conservation groups, also um, the American Bear Foundation. These conservation groups um, are, very important to me because they are putting money for hunters and people to enjoy in the future. Right. And you know, a lot of, a lot of photographers, especially Yellowstone photographers, do not give back to conservation.
0: Now let's you know, because you're involved with the conservation groups and Western States, especially are seem to have a deep respect for the land and the creatures um, you know, living in Illinois, there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of a- animal rights people in- infiltrating the uh, fish and game and fish and wildlife. Uh, Michigan, for example, has a they won't let you hunt dove, which is the number one game bird in the world. Um, mm-hmm. it, the, so we get We have to deal with a lot of that. I'm not as familiar with Wyoming. I know that there's some politics that enter into Yellowstone and mm-hmm. things about that and the the outlier areas um mm-hmm. can you talk about that a little bit are you are you are you happy with the dnr and the fish and wildlife or do they need an upgrade or
2: um no wyoming game and fish is a phenomenal they are probably one of the best wildlife um uh state agencies right. in the country um they do a phenomenal job managing things um you know, like uh, like our grizzly hunt. We they've pushed and they've done so much research and they put so much money into um, bringing the grizzly bear back. You know, because um, in the 70s they were basically pretty much wiped out, and so now the grizzly bear has been recovered for years now. It's been recovered since like 2012. We we meet our our uh, criteria and it's it's continually growing from there and the feds keep shutting us down. Well, it's not the feds. It's the animal rights group taking us to federal court and shutting us down Mm -hmm. groups out of California and, you know, um, and Sierra club and all these other animal rights groups that are, are taking, uh, Wyoming game and fish our state in Montana and Idaho. Um, the three states that, uh, are, trying to have state run grizzly management instead of federally run grizzly management, they take our states to federal court and get our hunting taken away and our management taken away, which is complete BS. You know, a federal judge in Missoula, Montana, that's a liberal judge has no right saying what's good for
0: wildlife management he's not a biologist right and they're they're so disconnected yep. uh, animal rights groups from nature and and so usually get people who are from a very urban background who mm-hmm. are they have this disnified uh outlook on wildlife like you were talking about giving them stupid names and and thinking everything's mm-hmm. a pet or a cartoon and they don't realize mm-hmm. the stewardship and the passion of the hunters and the outdoors women who who give their money time and effort to the proliferation the long-term proliferation of these creatures. And uh, yeah. yeah, well so you know I've often railed railed against the apathy of my fellow hunters. Um they they you know the I think uh Hunter Nation came out with a uh an astounding percentage of hunters that don't vote yeah it's just it's it's heartbreaking and people would rather worry about uh you know bickering in in, in, in internal bickering over methods and uh, equipment choices than band together and so when you're talking about the foundation especially the uh, the wild sheep uh, federation talk about what some of the efforts they do.
2: Well, uh, you know, one thing that we have an issue with, um, with sheep and a lot of people don't realize this, a lot of people that aren't sheep nuts, you know, like me, that are, right. tough, they don't know. We have a lot of disease and, and these sheep are so, they're super tough animals. I mean, they head, but they, you know, they basically live in the roughest, toughest country there is. But when it comes to sickness, they're so fragile, mm. so fragile. So, you know, doing research and trying to figure out what what's going to help these animals. Like in Canada and B.C. this last uh, fall or winter, I think it was sometime last year, they lost. Uh, I don't even know how many uh, wild sheep to blue tongue. Mm. You know, And it's just like these sheep are if 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 they're if they're dying that way you know um they something needs to be done to to prevent it and stuff like that you know and and, and drought i think is what caused that blue tongue i don't know if you haven't it. it's gone through tails before All but
1: right. yeah of course
2: you know so i think i think drought had something to do with it but that's that's a huge loss for them those are i think the california bighorns in bc that they have up there um that they lost a bunch of and we we lose a bunch over here to pneumonia um areas uh that i photograph sheep i look and the, the lamb recruitment is so low some years because they're dying of pneumonia and they you know it's like there's two years of lamb recruitment that's so low that it's not replenishing that that herd so something's going to, something needs to be done. So Wild Sheep Foundation goes and they color, they, they test, they do all these things. I mean, a lot more than what I, I'm just a photographer that takes pictures and, and let's, let's game and fish and wild sheep know if I see sick animals, um, you know, if sneezing or coughing or whatever is going on. I, I let game and fish know and wild sheep foundation know right away, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, and what can be done. So, um, you know, as a hunter and a photographer, I see a lot more than what, uh, like, say, a tourist. Mm. And a tourist wouldn't even know that they're they're sick. You know, Um, so those conservation groups do more to keep those animals healthy and alive, and research, and to keep keep them in areas that that you know, like Teton. Well, he, did you hear about the Teton Park killing all the mountain
0: goats last year? I did not.
2: Yeah, they're aerial gunning uh, mountain goats uh, be- instead of instead of giving out tags.
0: Right. Instead of making legal, it easy. Yeah.
2: Legal hunters. They're trying to remove the, the mountain goats out of this one area because there's a there's a certain area uh, that sh- they share it with uh, domestic or not with wild sheep. And this this is like the oldest herd of wild sheep in Wyoming or something like that. I don't know the whole story, but they were aerial gunning these, she, these mountain goats to get rid of them.
0: Now, is this a federally mandated action? This,
2: yeah. This is a, this uh, Teton national park, which is federal, the yeah. fed there's the national park service. Instead of saying, okay, let's let's issue out tags to remove these goats where they're going to be used and utilized the meat will be used. There's nothing wrong with these goats. They're not sick. Mm. But they're, they are interacting with wild sheep, and they're worried about them passing on pathogens.
0: So they're slaughtering and, them instead of utilizing them. It's just disgusting. Exactly. And, exactly. It, and you hear about that all the time. Um, there's parts of Michigan that are overrun by bears, and instead of having over-the-counter tags, they're still holding lotteries. It's just it's stunning the stupidity yeah.
2: the, the management that's why that's one reason why like yellowstone park and and in the park service why i cannot they are the worst management uh of any agency any agency they they are out for the money but they do not manage correctly they will sit there and haze these bears in Yellowstone Park. First, they let the bears become used to humans. And so when the bears get close to humans, then they go shoot them with rubber bullets and Mm. haze them. You know, and it's like you let that happen. You let them become habituated to people in the park. But then you punish them for, for getting too close.
0: Well, you know, and we saw this under Donald Trump. He was working to bring the land management of national parks to states. And it, it met a lot of resistance because people were worried that the states would turn it over to building and to selling off lots. And, and But on the other hand, we're looking at what you're saying. And by having people who aren't there destroying the wildlife uh, because of a federal mandate, there's really two sides to that coin that I think need to be addressed. And I think you did it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's that's like I said, that's one reason why I won't photograph or go to the park. I don't want to give them any money because I don't agree with how they manage wildlife. And, you know, um, it's, you know, to each their own, to each their own. Some people love the park. I just, I see it. I see it from a different point of view because I've spent six months out in the wild with animals and, you know, consecutively living with them. And then I've, I see how the park does things. And I see these mountain goats that, that could have been either issued a tag or relocated to somewhere where, you know, they, they would be, wouldn't be an issue with a bighorn sheep, you know. So.
0: Yeah. Give them value. Give them value. It's, it's disgusting. Well, people like you are out there fighting for the good and that's a good thing. You know what? One of the animals we didn't talk about that uh, Wyoming is known for when I first became aware of hunting in Wyoming, it was my, my father's friend who was uh, a great guy and he would take us on great deer hunts to Georgia and Wisconsin, but he would go to Wyoming for the antelope and the pronghorn antelope is uh, not only a a gorgeous animal, but it's such a unique animal, you know? And so uh, talk about how you film those little speed goats.
2: Well, I, you know, I'm not a, i'm not out on the prairie or the plains as much as i am in the mountains and we do have a few that that kind of get up in the little uh higher elevation in fact yesterday i was amazed because i actually had one right here (laughs) across the the creek from my my cabin and i was i was surprised that it was there because that's just not i've never seen one out here but they are they are like you know they people call them goats speed goats and stuff like that they are their own species of animal they are not like anything else in the in the united states
0: right yeah
2: yeah they are amazing quick animals beautiful animals they're probably um i i honestly don't sell as many antelope photos as i do anything else just because i don't think people understand them
0: yeah and i don't they're, s- they're one so one unique one. They're such a yeah. unique animal because they're not an antelope uh, by yeah, genus they're, not, they're they're of the yeah. more related to the goat family but like you said they're not really a goat either they're a pronghorn. No. yeah
2: yeah yeah they're they're only they're they're only uh only animal in the like this area that is not related to anything else in this you know it's it's they are kind of crazy but they are they're cool they're cool animals and uh they they won't like if you see them they'll still run through fences they they don't like jumping fences they'll just
0: run they'll just dart right through it
2: they yeah they try to some of them will try to jump but yeah yeah they're they're not they were not meant to be fenced in
0: no okay that'll be if if i plan a hunt in Wyoming you and i'll hunt antelope together
2: yeah, I used to be an antelope guide. <laughs> so
0: now I got it yeah. in. I got it in.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, don't, I don't guide. I, I do take uh you know select few of friends. I'll go with friends and, and family. But I, I I guided for years, and it's just not my thing. Um, it's different when you take somebody that's got that passion, like you know, if, if I take someone that wants to go and and hang out with mountain goats or something like that. But you get these these um hunters that come out for a paid hunt with an outfitter and you're working for the outfitter and they just expect everything to be handed to them and put right. in their lap right. and it's like i'm not that person i'm like nope you know you're gonna work for
0: it. yeah i'm your guide i'm not your caddy i got gotcha. <laughs> you yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah what
2: about,
0: about elk i, I see I, I do you do you uh, go after elk a lot
2: no I no elk deer are just not you know I I leave that for a lot of other photographers and I don't hunt them like the deer I hunt now because they're right here on my my property and it's easy to get it into the freezer
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a convenience thing yeah
2: yeah yeah but elk you know um I love elk and being a former chef elk is one of my favorite meats to prepare but um, they are a large animal, and for me to get an elk out by myself um, is impossible.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, that's that's a lot of work.
2: Yeah, I just, I just, I, I can't hunt. Some, I don't feel right hunting something that might not make it out. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah um, I got gotcha. you. Especially with the grizzlies, they're they're waiting for you to leave so they could have a feast. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Exactly. And and I don't rely on help. You know, a lot of people say, oh, if you get an elk tag, I'll help you. Nah, no, we're not doing that because, you know, the time comes and I shoot an elk and you're not there to help. Then I feel bad. So, yeah. no, no, I don't. I don't. If I can't do it myself, then I I don't hunt it.
0: You know, you're talking about getting close to sheep in in their young and goats in their young and how they kind of just they get used to you being there. But you've gotten some shots of buffalo babies that uh, are bison. Are they as... uh easy to be around i mean you talked about how when their tail starts wagging they're giving you a signal to get lost but you've got a lot of a lot of baby bison on your uh on your roll those were
2: one summer when i i went through lamar valley and yellowstone and those were all from the road those are not those are not close shots at all (laughs) my camera my camera is a 24 to 600 millimeter so i can shoot macro all the way out there to um you know long distance so yeah no know those uh those were those were yellowstone and yellowstone does have rules as, as people should know by now that you're not supposed to be within like 25 yards of a, of a buffalo or a moose or anything like that yeah
0: but, someone you know, learned the hard way recently about that
2: yeah well it happens every year multiple yeah. times so yeah no um like i said those are those photos are probably from I think 2019 or 2018 in Yellowstone. And like I said, I don't I don't do the park thing. I was I like going through Lamar Valley mm. to go to uh, Gardner, Montana, and I'll take the park just because it's it's shorter than driving all the way around. Yeah. So I'll do that, but and I don't go hang out in the park and do photography. But yeah, the the Buffalo. No, I don't. No, I'm not getting close.
0: <laughs> There's a if people go to mountaingirlphotography dot shootproof dot com and look at your gallery, there is a picture of a bison calf seeing its mm-hmm. reflection in water, which I think sums up the essence of the wild.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, a- that was a cool shoot that day, and that was you know I was early in the morning and I was out there by myself. And I, I actually did hike down to uh, the Lamar River, and that calf was on the other side of the river. And so I was probably, you know, within, I don't know how wide that river is. I was a little closer than 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 off the road, so to speak, um, shooting from the road. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a fun, and there's Mm. a little blackbird in that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: A little blackbird next to him. And he's like kind of looking, you can't tell if he's looking at the bird or if he's catching his own reflection in the water. It's just amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He was, he was cool. He was sweet and he was cool. And, and he was kind of all by himself. The other, the other little calves wouldn't, weren't playing with him. So he just like, came over to the edge and was like, Hey, I'll, i'll I'll hang out
0: with you <laughs> I'll pose for you amazing yeah. stuff yeah. so when you talk about uh, the the uh, conservation organizations that you're a part of and I want you to really I want you to give it to our audience uh, people who are hunters anglers. Outdoors people, people who hike and camp, how important it is for them to get involved with not only their state legislation, but these found these foundations, uh, a yeah. national wild turkey federation and uh, Elks on, or, or uh, Whitetail Unlimited and the Rocky yeah. Mountain Elk Foundation.
2: Well, you know, the, the thing the thing um, is you don't have to be a hunter to be a part of these these uh, conservation groups and be a member of of these wonderful organizations you don't have to be a hunter you don't have to you don't have to do you just have to have a passion for wildlife and and care about what's going to happen in the future with these animals so you know whatever your animal is you know whether you're a sheep fanatic or a goat fanatic or deer elk whatever they've got an organization for pretty much anything um Like I said, I'm personally my my biggest passions are sheep, goats, and bears. And so, the American uh, Bear Foundation, uh, Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance, Wild Sheep Foundation, Wyoming Wild Sheep Foundation. I'm also a member of the Wild Sheep Foundation in Alberta, Canada. Um, And then there's uh, the wild sheep society at bc these are all great organizations that i'm passionate about i'm passionate about what they do and and the wildlife that they um help out so whatever your passion is whether you're a hunter or you know even if fishermen trout's unlimited i mm-hmm. think is what I mean, there's something out there for everyone, yeah. some kind of organization that's going to give back. These are the, the boots on the ground organizations that actually go out and help wildlife. They're not the uh, those animal rights ones that absolutely nothing goes to animals animals. Nothing. All the- Nothing goes to the the animals, yeah, absolutely nothing. You know, PETA and the World Wildlife yeah. Federation or whatever.
1: Uh, those uh,
0: are, yeah, the Humane Society of the United States, which has nothing to do, nor does it help any humane societies exactly. of the of the of the exactly. locality
2: exactly so so pick pick an organization, do your research, look what they do. they all have a mission statement on their website. Read that mission statement. If it aligns with what, what you believe in and the animals that, that you want to um, help out, like I said, you don't have to be a hunter. You could be a photographer. You could be just somebody that goes out and hikes and, and, and wants to enjoy having wildlife out there. Yeah. Join these, these organizations because they are giving back and they are doing things for animals that and wildlife that no other organization is going to do.
0: Yeah. I follow the uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership a lot. Mm -hmm. I like what they do. Uh, They're always working. And it's nice to see these people, like you say, they're actually doing something to Mm -hmm. ensure that our children and our children's children's Mm -hmm. children have wildlife to enjoy and wild ground. Yeah,
2: and they're true. They're true nonprofits. They're not lining their own pockets like uh, you know PETA oh, and uh, other ones. I mean, the, the, whatever is donated, I donate photos every single year to these organizations. That you know, even if it brings a few hundred dollars, that's still a few hundred dollars more on in their pocket than than they had before. So, I mean, whatever you can do you know, do it, you know, whether it's donations or joining memberships are usually cheap, you know, they're usually $50 or less for a year. And, um, yeah, they usually give you magazines
0: to read and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Get involved. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll give a shout-out to the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers as well, which is a great uh, voice for public lands, and uh, they, do, they do great work as well. So get involved. I think uh, I could talk all day with you. I, I know, I, right? <laughs> I know you have more stories, but uh, you promised to come back on real soon. We'll do part two. We'll do, uh, we'll do a day in the life of Tessa yeah. Fowler.
2: Yeah, I'd love to tell you the story about the the grizzly bear during one of my wolf hunts that uh, that almost. Uh,
0: well, you, you can't leave us hanging. Now, what happened? So you're hunting I, wolves, and, and here comes Mister Grizzly.
2: Oh yeah, this was a this was a good one. So, um, I think this was about 2017 or 2019. I was hunting wolves, and I was like four and a half miles in on this one trail i had like actually crested up and over the mountain and perfect location i'd seen like grizzly tracks i would seen you know black bear wolf tracks i was like okay this is predator haven i know there's wolves in here so i i climb up off the trail where where there's a creek down in there in the bottom and then there's the little you know hiking trail and so i climb up and there's a rock slide behind me and i'm like nothing can come in behind me so i'm good and i had my dog warden he's my right hand man he's my grizzly protection my hunting partner he's everything and so i had him with me and he's sitting right beside me and i'm i'm setting up and i'm resting i have my 4570 on a log and i start calling and i'm using using a I believe it was a rabbit in distress call
0: <clears throat> that's jarring not- yes i've used that for coyotes
2: Yeah, so I I call a little bit, and then I, you know, sit for a little bit, and I call a little bit, and so I had just eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and and the wind wind was going up the canyon. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just waiting, and I still have food in my mouth, and I'm like, I look down, and there's a bear that's coming from uh, upwind of me, And she's about, let's say, you know, I don't know, like 25 yards down there on the trail. And I was like, okay, she's just going to walk on by and not even see me because the winds, I had the advantage And she stops, and she looks right up at me and starts coming. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) shit. I'm like, are you seriously? She wanted some
0: of that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I think.
2: Well, I think the call, I think what what had happened was she was downwind of me, and I had been calling, and she had gone down through um, the brush along the the creek bottom down there, hidden, you know, and she would come and hit that trail and was coming. She knew exactly where I was. It knew exactly where I was. I mean, she had stopped, looked right up. I mean, I didn't say anything. The dog didn't do any bark or anything. And so she starts coming up and I, I stood up and I'm like, Hey bear, you know, uh, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Just I'm here. I'm human. Hello. And she still locked. Her eyes are locked right on me. And my hmm. warden, he's down there. At my, my, side and he's just whining because he, he he knows what's going on and i'm just like get out of here bear get out of here smell me come on you know like usually they'll they'll smell you as soon as they know you're human they're like oh i'm out of here nope she kept coming and she kept coming and so i have i have food in my mouth i'm still chewing <laughs> and i'm, I'm wow. recording this. i'm recording this with my phone i'll have to send you the video and i i'm I'm recording. I have a, I have my gun in my one, in one hand, my phone in the other, and Warden's down there whining, just and I'm like Holtz. I'm like, get ready, Warden. Get yeah, ready. He's like,
0: Mom, this ain't gonna end well.
2: Yeah, because he, he, he's. I mean, this is what he's trained to do is is to protect me from grizzlies. And I'm like, get ready, Warden. Get ready, Warden. And she kept coming. I'm like, bear, get out of here. Go, go. You know, I'm doing everything I can. Waving my hands. Well,
0: sure. You know. Yeah.
2: And she kept coming and so says she gets about 25 feet away and she's right behind a tree. And she has never taken her eyes off me. She didn't even notice the dog behind beside me. And I'm, I'm ready locked and loaded with the 45. I'm like, Bear, I can't, I don't want to shoot you because I want to deal with the feds, you know, cause you have to like mm-hmm. get investigated. If you shoot at one of their bears So, finally, she gets about 25 feet. I'm like, that's close enough. I was like, get her, Warden. So, I threw him over the log and sent him. And she did not even see him. I mean, he was right there in her face before she even noticed he was there. Holy cow. She was that locked in on me.
0: What do you think? Now, Do you think it was the rabbit in distress call? Or do you think it was the smell of food or just you?
2: No, It, it It was the rabbit in distress call. This was fall. It was like September... And, you know, bears go into their pre-hibernating, you know, uh, where they are just constantly it's just one. Really
0: gorging. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So she it was a rapid distress, call, And um, so anyway, so he he gets right in her face. I mean, he's just it right, comes right under her front feet and just like burr, right right there. And then she. She rears back and she's like, oh, crap. And then she spins around <laughs> on her hind legs and just starts booking it down the hill. And he's, I mean, he's on her butt. You could see him pulling hair out of her butt.
0: <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And
0: wow.
2: So, so he's trained. I mean, he's, he's a hound. He's trained. He's a bear dog. and But he's trained to only take a bear so far and then to come back to me. So once he knows that she's on the run, and is leaving the country. Then he'll come back. So I'm watching on the GPS and I'm calling letting him know I need him to come back. So he goes about 900 yards with her and then comes back. And I mean, I'm, I'm like shaking, like my adrenaline is going like through the roof, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I'm packing up and I'm out of here. And I have four and a half miles to get back to my truck over the hill and (laughs) you're wondering if she's got
0: an ambush planned right
2: yeah she went that way and so the whole way out i'm like i'm like looking i'm like warden just just keep your eye on her and stuff like that but i
0: hope she kept running yeah
2: oh yeah she was about a a three or four year old sow so young young bear and those young ones they were the big old ones i don't worry about them at all it's those young ones in the south that i worry the most about because they're unpredictable
0: yeah they're curious and they haven't they haven't learned
2: yeah exactly they haven't learned and they they you know she's so i don't call out i don't call use mouth calls anymore in grizzly country
0: nope (laughs) see you so you taught each other something yeah she yeah. knows when she comes in for a rabbit in distress and to check for a dog and you know not to use a rabbit yeah. call in grizzly country tell me yeah. about the uh before we wrap up i want to talk about the uh the black wolf photo that you have on your gallery
2: that's that's the wolf i got
0: <laughs> is that the one well we've come full circle in our story wonderful
2: yeah i got like i said I, like two weeks before before
0: um he killed charlie
2: No, he didn't kill Charlie. Charlie killed one of his ancestors killed Charlie because that was back in 2005. He paid for
0: the, he paid for the sins of his father.
2: Yeah. Or his grandfather. But he came from, from the same area. So I'm assuming he was related to that pack. And, but no, that, that wolf, um, I actually had like, a good relationship with that wolf but you know when it comes to hunting you have to kind of turn that off and you don't put those emotions in there but no it's um i shot 300 photos of that wolf uh two weeks before like yeah two weeks before i took him and he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when the season
0: was open yeah twice he was there twice
2: yeah, he's my hat now. Yeah. I made a wolf hat out of him.
0: So he's immortalized. That's wonderful. Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah. I, I thought, well, I said that like when Charlie died, I was like, I'm gonna get my. If I ever get a wolf, I'm gonna make a hat out of him. like a mountain man hat. Yeah. And that's what I, I made a mountain man hat out of that
0: wolf. You know, what's amazing about bison is uh, the American buffalo. Like most animals, if it starts raining, you'll notice like whitetail will hit the dirt. They'll stop because it throws yeah. their senses off and and other animals will stop moving. If, you know They'll be a little more cautious in the rain or snow uh, once it starts to blizzard. But a buffalo herd will turn and r- go into it. They, they, they're, they're a con- they have a constant bring it on attitude, which I find amazing. And you have a great photo on your gallery of a, uh, a buffalo covered in snow on his face
2: yeah i i i don't know which one i i've shot so many. most of those photos i could i could tell you exactly what day i shot it and and stuff like that i can't think of which one that is. yeah
0: right well, he's got he's yeah. got a face covered in snow and he's facing the storm he's gonna bring it on
2: oh okay yeah yeah no they're they're cool animals like i said i don't i try not i actually had um good rapport with one for years i called him he was mr buffalo and i mean that's not a still not a name it's a description but he uh he loved me like honestly anytime i was out there photographing he'd he'd see my vehicle come up and he'd just be like hey how's it going you know like
0: (laughs) it's you again
2: yeah i didn't pet him i didn't try to do anything with him but but he would come up to the vehicle and, and let me, you know, get photos of him and stuff like that. And or if I was hiking and I ran into him, I didn't have to worry about him as much as I would the other ones, but he was kind of a loner, kind of like me, just like being alone and just doing his own thing. <laughs> and yeah. And then when, and then one year a tourist hit him. Oh yeah. yeah. Total they're suburban, but yeah, it, uh, it killed them, and that really made me mad. I was just like, "These idiots! They the speed limit's 55 out there on the North Fork because there's wildlife out there, and they're going 80 miles an hour. Oh, We got to get to the park. There's no animals out here, mm. you know. Got to get to the park. So we we lose sheep, and we lost a grizzly and two cubs, uh, that buffalo, uh, bighorn sheep, deer, elk. You name it. We lose so many animals to people speeding on that road
0: yeah well you're doing it you are living the dream my friend are you happy
2: i'm always happy
0: (laughs) what are what are some what are some of the things you haven't attained in your career that you want to do uh
2: i want to do i want to be the first woman to do a solo mountain goat hunt there you go yeah, here here in my backyard in the Beartooth mountains that's I put in every year and every year I don't get it. but I want to do a I want to do a solo mountain goat hunt. Um, I'd like to get a Wyoming bighorn sheep um,
0: And now is that a point system when you every time that you uh, don't get the, one? The
2: sheep are the goat the goat is a random draw and I put in for a hard area that you know if I would have put in for a different area, I'd probably have better chances, but I put in for an area that's very difficult to draw, but I know for a fact I could do a solo, whereas these other um, areas, you need horses to get back in there. I don't have horses, so obviously I wouldn't be able to do that solo, Mm because I'd have to find a friend to take me in. Um, So yeah, this, I don't know. I have, I like challenging myself physically that's like what gets me going in life is if it's not challenging, I don't wanna do it. Right. So the the harder the challenge, whether it's, you know, uh mountain lion hunt, which is, you know, trying to find a track of a one animal that could be out, you know, who knows where and track it down and that's why I got dogs and tree it. Or, you know, a mountain goat or a bighorn sheep. But mountain goats, a mountain goat, solo mountain goat hunt is my, my number one goal I want to do.
0: Well, I hope so you I've get done, it soon. I've
2: done pretty much everything. Yeah. Except, you know... And the, the only thing holding me back is a tag.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Well, you know, you're fighting the good fight, and uh, your story is quite the inspiration. So, thank you so much, and uh, we'll have you again. We'll have you again on uh, once once hunting season comes around. I want to I want to track your uh, your season with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I didn't I didn't draw any tags so far. I don't know. I might have an antelope, I put in for an antelope tag. I didn't draw sheep or goat, but I do have bear, lion and wolf. Um, and obviously spring bear is almost over. And I haven't really been able to get up to the mountain to do that because it's like covered in snow. right now. <laughs> so, And that's so, all uh,
0: that's all spot and stock in Wyoming with bear hunting, right
2: Um, in this area it's spot and stock over in the uh, bighorns you can bait like other areas in the state you can bait Um, but here in grizzly country it's all spot and stock
0: amazing stuff tessa fowler keep doing what you're doing god bless it's a it's a it's an honor talking with you
2: oh thank you you're making me blush
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's my job Mike Tomano Happening.